There's this misimpression that, that somehow we're living in hillbilly elegy land, all toothless. And uh, that's because there are no rural voices left. Hi, I'm Gina Cerrito, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Lynn White and Judy Licht. We're the News Broads, broads casting about the news and all things media. We're here to give you insights on how it all works. A look at the news you won't find anywhere else. We all know that newspapers are in trouble. Since 2004, more than 1,800 local papers have shut down, and at least 200 counties have no newspaper at all. Well, the consensus is that local news is the biggest crisis in journalism today. Art Cullen is the editor of the Storm Lake Times, a twice-weekly newspaper in rural Iowa with a circulation of 3,000, who's not only struggling to keep that paper alive, he's managed to win a Pulitzer Prize while doing it. Art, thanks for joining us today, and you've been called a firebrand editor, irreverent, and, and probably local politicians out in Iowa have called you some things we can't repeat here. But (laughs) I wonder how you see yourself. I mean, do you see yourself as a crusading journalist? Well, no, I have always kind of viewed myself as a community journalist, a country newspaper editor. Um, But we believe in certain things. And so we beat the drum on those things until we can't beat the drum anymore. It's worked for Uh, you for for a long time. For example, the word... Yeah, the worth, the worth, the worthiness of immigration of immigrants and how they revitalize rural communities. For example, that's something we believe in, and not everybody does. And, and so maybe I'm considered a firebrand because uh, we're progressives in a very conservative area. Yeah. Is that why you? Is that why you do this? Do you do this um, to to help? I mean, I always think of local newspapers and 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 obviously the three of us in general as in educator um what do you think of why you're doing this is it to educate the public about things yeah back in school you know in journalism school is to inform to entertain and to enlighten right and uh that that's i still carry that with me every day that's what that's that's our mission is to inform to educate and to enlighten and, and in our marketing materials we like to say that we we try to provide a mirror to the community, and we hope you like what you see. But you but also... sometimes there's pimples you know, <laughs> that you see in the mirror. Yeah, it's got to pop the pimples. Until yeah. so we pop the pimples. Yeah. <laughs> As news broads, we've actually had cases of acne along the way, to be honest uh, with you. But Looking at your photos, I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> yes, sure. you can. <laughs> You're a sweet talker, Art, let me tell you. Anyway, I love the slogan that you and your brother came up with when you bought the paper back in 1990. The truth and raising. Oh, print the truth and raise hell. Yeah, I yes. love that. I love that. I could see you on the back of a Harley Davidson <laughs> with the flag with that. Put I'd be up. very afraid. Yeah, I think one of the big stories that we're getting from your particular story is that there's longevity for a reason. Um, newspapers aren't doing as well as they once did. They're facing a struggle. But you kind of have brought the community in with the paper. You feed off of each other, which I think is um, a divine story for where you are and where the country is. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that, uh, you know, Community journalism is being of the community and 
uh, trying to serve the community and build the community, which is something you really don't hear about. That part you don't hear about in journalism schools, building the community. And really, that's what a newspaper should do, uh, and that you should love a place. And so if you don't love the place, then you don't have any business reporting on it. So the the effects, what you're saying is that in, in small towns, the in the small town paper, it's things that affect them directly in their day-to-day life. Sure. Uh, and that, uh, you know, the highest read uh, uh, part of the newspaper is the obituaries and the weddings and the engagements. And uh, those are, the, that's the gist of community journalism. And uh, there's a, a lot more of that than there is raising hell, frankly. I, uh, pictures your, of puppies and kids in school, <laughs> elementary. <always> <laughs> yeah. Well, to your point, um, one of the things that's been raised um, by fellow journalists is that this is a source of unifying the country, that there is a sense of partisanship that's divided this country that's gotten worse and worse in the last few years, coinciding with the death of local newspapers, because people don't see their similarities in their community. And people watch more network stuff, which is geared towards the politics of us and them. And so people start- Including me. Including (laughs) you. Okay. I'm not, I'm not counting, but if there, because of that, it's adding to the divide in this country, the us versus them. Yeah. I I watch MSNBC and uh, my neighbor watches Fox and never the twain shall meet. Yeah, and and that's what's and and if there is more local reporting on the puppy dogs and the dances and the school things, people will realize they have a lot more in common. Well, that's what we think, uh, uh, and we we do try to be a, a neutral observer, uh, but it's very difficult when your congressman is Steve King, <laughs> uh, this rabid racist. Uh, uh, Republican, redneck, right-winger, uh, it's very difficult to have a rational conversation with him uh, or one of his supporters, and it's very difficult to have a rational conversation with President Trump or one of his supporters when they're saying that you're an enemy of the people. Yeah, how do you coexist? Well, by continuing to report the facts, and I think that's what's happening uh, right now, in the instance of President Trump with the impeachment proceedings, the facts are the truth will win the day. I still believe that. And that if you pro- pro- provide the facts lovingly, um, then eventually, then you're going to be okay. And that the community will stick together because the facts are, 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 are is what binds us. Yeah. And you, you weave that story also together in your book. When you do talk about immigration in your community and what you help do to ease the community about people moving in that were from other countries, from Mexico, from Laos. Um, right. And you even have a sister town in Mexico. But you helped yes. the community along with your stories and your writing. And you help them see that the other isn't the enemy. And that's progressed along with your paper. Yeah, and but that that's part of the community. And so we need an accurate depiction of Latinos 
where they come from, why they come, and what they're doing here before we can understand anything about the immigration debate. Yeah. And so we decided we needed to go to Mexico to our sister community. And so I went there for 10 days and uh, just learned about, uh, you know, where our new neighbors are coming from. And it's very difficult to hate somebody you know. I was just going to say, there's no one you can't love once you've heard their story. And I think that's what's really important about your paper. And I I wonder your thoughts on other towns whose local papers haven't made it through the storm. Um, what, where would your worry be in those sorts of towns, knowing what you do for your town? Well, there, I think there's actually been some studies done showing that tax rates go up, spending goes up. Uh, corruption increases in these what we call news deserts. Where no, these are towns of, like uh, Youngstown, Ohio, lost its daily newspaper. That's a town of sixty thousand people. Wow. That's a city, not a town. Mm. And uh, you know, there's towns of twenty, thirty thousand people without a newspaper. And again, in in all these places, you'll find uh, less community cohesion. You'll find if there's no newspaper saying brown people are people then you'll find racism increases. If there isn't any community leadership, that's how hate festers. Mm. And that's... And uh, so newspapers play an absolutely vital role in, in communities governing themselves because dem- democracy can't work in an in- information vacuum. And... Uh, we're seeing now that when you get your information from somebody in Macedonia via Facebook, uh, <laughs> then you end up with this buffoon in the White House. Well, uh, that... you cannot. This is not a self-governing democracy uh, when it's predicated on lies. Right. And well... so that that's why newspapers are vital uh, to uh, a, a good functioning community, whether it's Storm Lake Iowa or the United States of America. Well, and it's it's also you've made that case incredibly well. It it also increases um, the way the local government works better. I mean, who's going to hold the the school board accountable for decisions it makes and th- corruption? Uh, you know, who, who's going to see city hall? You know, do back payments or you know, but just behave in a way that is bad for the community. It's been suggested by some people that a community saves money because it it gets rid of corruption. Right. And uh, But people don't see the value in newspapers uh, uh, because there's kind of a, almost a willful civ- civic ignorance that's developed. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think it it, it relates to uh, cynicism that was bred by uh, uh, Richard Nixon and the Vietnam War, frankly. And maybe I'm just an old man stuck <laughs> stuck there. Well, I'm an old woman, so <laughs> I think you're but right. I, I was there, too. I, I, but I, it, bred a, it bred a degree of cynicism and uh, distrust for institutions, and you can't believe anything. You can't believe West, William Westmoreland. You can't believe the President of the United States. You can't believe Spiro Agnew, and you can't believe Agriculture Secretary Earl Butts. <laughs> And yeah. you, uh, the only person you could trust was Walter Cronkite, and he's dead. Right. And um, and now and he has a journalism so school even, named after him, <laughs> which is why I think. Yes, and 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 so 
kind of, and I came of age in the post Watergate era. I mean, I was the first graduating class of the post Watergate era in journalism, and uh, it was at that point in about 1979 when I entered the business that we actually started to see circulation decline nationally. And it's been going on ever since. Yeah, we, we know it's, I mean, you can directly contribute it to things such, you know, the classifieds that used to make newspapers a lot of money and um, internet. Yeah. And, um, and but I really how- think it started with this kind of national cynicism that Jimmy Carter tried to address, mm. Ronald Reagan uh, exploited mm-hmm. uh, with his uh, Morning in America stuff. Mm. And, uh, and now but we're in the full end, tilt, right? <laughs> Fake yeah, news. Yeah. In the end, uh, the cynicism never abated, and it kind of found its zenith in Donald Trump and his kind of Mussolini-style attacks on a free and independent press and judiciary, uh, which, of course, leads to fascism. And, uh, and I think that's what we're really talking about today. And with the, de- with the downward spiral of newspapers, there's no, we're the, it's, it's newspapers that are at those school board meetings and uh, no offense against our TV brethren, but they're not the ones sitting there for three hours Correct. Uh, listening to the superintendent drone on. We now, are. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's, I think, that's why we really wanted to speak to you is we're, we're really trying to wrap our heads around how this, how these local papers can, can survive. Is that even possible? Yeah. Well, right now the advertising model is imploding. And, you know, again, Walmart, First it was uh, Sears, and then it was Walmart, and they kind of wiped out the Main Street. So, you know, half of our advertisers are out of business now. When we started, my brother started the paper in 1990, and, you know, uh, a half to three-quarters of our advertisers just don't exist anymore because they were blown out by Walmart. And so we'll get an insert, an advertising circular from Walmart three or four times a year. But those stores that, they were, that were blown out, those little hardware stores, were advertising every week. And then you bring in Facebook and Google and YouTube and Twitter, and people think, again, that they can suffice on that news that some idiot in Macedonia is writing in his underwear in a basement <laughs> about so, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So, Art, and, you've been able to sustain it, which is great, but how have you been able to do that and other small yeah. newspapers have not? Well, uh, for one thing, we live kind of like the Viet Cong and uh, live in the trees and eat rice. Uh, <laughs> it's working for you. <laughs> I mean, is, uh, this, is this, I mean, what's interesting is that I, I know your son also works for you and, and the, right. you know, you've kind of, it's been, you know, is he going to stay and continue this family paper? And, and I think that's what a lot of these newspapers are, you know, Tell being you. run by people yeah. who have been doing it for, like you for a very long time and it's your passion and, you know, where is that next generation going to come from and in what form? Yeah, well, uh, in answer to the first question, how do we do it? Uh, my brother John is our publisher, and he works for no salary. He's on Social Security now. Mm. So we're trying to figure out, I'm 62, and we're trying to figure out how to get me on Social Security so <laughs> we can clear the payroll. But that's the, those are the kind of decisions we're down to now so Tom can take over the paper. And rather than him buy the paper, we're just going to give him our stock uh, because uh, newspapers have no value on the market anymore. And uh, 
but they're still very valuable to this community. And so what we're trying to do is make the transition from having lost all those advertisers to reader revenue, to have readers pay for news again. And that's a very difficult transition. That stuff. I, I, I know you have a website and you, 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 you stream news on, on, on in town. Is, and your business in that area has, has grown. Um, yes. Do you think that that might be an answer? It is. I mean, the, our, our print edition, uh, regrettably, I think, slowly will die. Uh, be, I prefer reading a newspaper in print. Uh, I think I absorb more. I think there's more serendipity in turning the pages and finding an unexpected story. Uh, it, so it's regrettable that print is dying, but it is. And uh, so we are transitioning to digital. And but the problem is that the category killers like the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times can afford to sell a subscription for 10 bucks a year or 15 bucks a year. We can't. We need 75 to to $100 a year uh, because we don't have the, the uh, uh, critical mass. Yeah, it's... And so that's the real challenge for local news is how do we convert, how do we replace that lost ad revenue with reader revenue because Warren Buffett and Bill Gates are not going to write us a grant. Uh, to they're gonna they'll write ProPublica a grant, but not the Stormlight Times. You know, the, the, there's a saying: all news is local. So I yes. would imagine, especially in a smaller town, that they want to see what's happening in their own backyards pretty quickly. And I would imagine if you could advertise that you are now online as opposed to just being a newspaper, you could get some traction because people will always want to know, A, what the weather is, and B, (laughs) who's getting married, who died, or uh, who's graduating from college. I think that's still very important in many places in this country. Yeah, but the problem is, is that people have been conditioned to believe that information wants to be free. And they don't realize that it, no matter, even though we're paying my son Tom slave wages, it does cost something to send him to that school board meeting True. and sit there for three hours. And we've got to be there. We've, that's what we do. That's, that's our mission is to cover that school board, that city council meeting and that uh, fire department meeting. And, uh, but, uh, you know, most newspapers, have, the Des Moines Register, for example, uh, is not, it used to be 500,000 circulation. Now it's 60,000. Uh, the Mason City Globe Gazette, where I used to work as a seven-day daily, uh, used to be 27,000. Now it's 6,000. Uh, so it went from 27 in 1990 to 6 today. Mm. It's, it's well, here in New People York. People just do not want to pay for news, and they would rather live in a... In a in an, uh, a blissful ignorance free of the weight of adverse facts. You don't want to really know that there's going to be a blizzard that's going to hit you on the head. Yeah. You, and you don't want to pay to read that. So, uh, you, Do you want to pay? You know, people don't want to pay to find out that their property taxes are going to go up because they didn't go to the city council meeting. Right. They find other ways to seems to blame on it. I think one of the things that we know is important to you as the Des Moines, as you just said, Des Moines Register had said about you is that you are this important voice to come out of rural America. And I think moving um, into if there's less of a voice, how will the rest of the country understand the heartland if the newspapers are no longer there to explain, tell the story? Well, I would agree. I would argue that the, that they don't understand now 
And that's because of the decline of those great regional newspapers like the Kansas City Star, the Des Moines Register, uh, the Topeka Journal, uh, the Wichita Eagle Beacon. Uh, all those great regional papers are shadows of them of their former selves, and they they used to uh, they used to provide the grist for the for the for the coastal papers like the New York Times and the Washington Post to keep people informed about how it's playing in Peoria. Uh, but you know, I don't even know if Peoria has a paper anymore. Uh, but. Uh, uh, what we find is that the people that the, the coast really don't. That I was in the, at the Aspen Ideas Festival, where a bunch of people from the Atlantic, the New Yorker, uh, and the New York Times were saying that Iowans are a bunch of racists because we elected Donald Trump, and that's the view: is that we're a bunch of stupid farmers with MAGA hats on. Yeah, but it's very, very important on the national stage when it comes to presidential politics, and I know you've hosted yeah, a few. Yeah, it's of that them. misimpression of Iowa that. Uh, Hello, we elected Barack Obama. Do you remember that guy? Right. Put him on uh, the map. We introduced him to the country. That's right. So, uh, uh, but there's this misimpression that uh, somehow we're living in hillbilly elegy land, all toothless. And uh, that's because there are no rural voices left. Uh, and uh, to, exp- to, to explain that to the rest of the country. And... Uh, there's fewer and fewer all the time. And that's why this is just contributing to a serious partisanship in this country that is really frightening and threatening to democracy, as you Oh, very. Out. I want to know, um, what is the answer? Is there an answer to this? I mean, there have been federal lawyers suggested tax exemptions. Uh, the New Jersey governor just gave $2 million to local news sources. Is this, you know, government and private foundation I think that's funding? the worst thing that could happen is government funding of the media. And if you want to, if you don't believe it, look how they fired the uh, woman who used to run national public radio because they, they thought it was too liberal. Uh and national public radio is about as milk toast down the middle as you can get, and uh, they wanted to be more conservative. So I really don't believe in government funding. I really believe that Americans have to rediscover their civic, uh, in their civ- their civic obligations to be informed uh, by credible sources, as our parents were. My dad read three newspapers. And uh, and he didn't uh, pay any attention to what Brother John Birch was talking about. You know, it's interesting uh, um, that I have a son going into high school and they're now starting to teach these classes that I don't remember taking when I was um, there talking about um, how to get real you know, information, how you can't write a paper by going to Wikipedia. You don't need to take a class. You need to go plunk a buck into the newsstand, you know? Yeah. Yep. But does, and but, read the goddamn paper. It's just it's just infuriating to me. And that's the solution. Is it so much that we ask for the price of a cup of coffee for the for, to, for an informed electorate? Yeah. Uh, and people say, yeah, that's too much. Well, and so let's in Norway, they, they, they tax uh, people and they have lousy publications Uh and, the, you know, the United States has the best, freest press in the world, and we're starving it to death. Well, And that's because of laziness and civic ignorance. I think 
that they should reintroduce civics, which we had to take Absolutely. when we were in high school. In high school. Now and do we sound like old people? No. <laughs> and they should bring back the fairness doctrine. <laughs> but that too. <laughs> here's, here's the most serious question we have of the day, and I, I hope you take this. I hope you're ready for this. Art. Yeah, I hope you're, you're ready? ready for this, Art. It's the biggest one. Who's going to play yeah. you in the movie? You know who I'd really like? Who? Oh. Brad Pitt. And this is so goddamn egotistical of me, but <laughs> Sam Elliott, he's with yeah. the, oh, oh, Big yeah. Lebowski, the yeah. angel oh, talking good to the one. dude. Good, yeah. you know, good choice. Elliott, he's the font of wisdom. You let's heard it here on News Broad. Let's everyone. make it happen. Well, let's he's got the stash, man. The ladies dig the stash. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do you, and we dig you, and we're so happy that you joined us today. Your story is remarkable. You are remarkable, and we're keeping our fingers crossed for the paper. Well, thank you. And uh, there's a, the sun always comes up tomorrow. That's what Annie says. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> On that note, goodbye. <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye, Art. By the way, Art Collins' Pulitzer Prize was for editorial writing for his series in the Storm Lake Times, exposing that large corporate agriculture was polluting Iowa waterways and then paying off local governments to get away with it. That's important because it points out why local news is so necessary. Who else would have shined the spotlight on this dangerous and illegal practice? You've been listening to the News Broads with Gina Cerrito, Lynn White, and Judy Lick. Our producer is David Levin, and audio mixing by Barry Hirschberg.